0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Andrew Gazdekis'
1: episode. How are you, Andrew? Nice to connect with you. Daniel, uh, super excited to be on this podcast. We've kind of gone back and forth and finally got it on the book, so I'm excited. Well, I sure as hell hope you are because
0: I can guarantee you that I'm not going to ask you most of the repetitive questions you've had before, such as, how do I pronounce your name? Uh, tell us the story of business <laughs> apps etc., etc. hey i actually um i have like
1: an old business ethic.
0: oh we've got a we've got a throwback there that's nice so yeah. at a later point just become super mad take, yeah. take the hoodie off
1: i was gonna put it on ebay but um no just kidding um yeah no, exi- exi- excited I'm, I'm i'm now now you gotta be curious about the questions man i mean say that again you got me quite you got me curious about the questions i've had some curveballs thrown at me um but yeah it's usually like how'd you get in an entrepreneurship what's my require the um so I'm, intri- I'm intrigued man you just i, I don't i don't want to overhype
0: you, myself yeah
1: you, you just did um <laughs> But, let's, see, um,
0: let's see if i can stand up to the hype uh, first question <laughs> am i right to see that the question you hate the most is how do you pronounce your
1: name <laughs> no i i i actually i i just think it's funny um and it's like a fun i always i love to laugh and so if we can start off the podcast with like a couple of laughs i think it's good for uh just me and you and then also the listeners so before i start a podcast sometimes it'd be like how do you pronounce your last name and i say I'm not telling you, you got to do it live. And then (laughs) 90% of the time people say it right, but 90% of the time growing up, people got it wrong. So like, it's a joke that kind of like backfires a little bit.
0: Well, I know it's pronounced Gazdeki and I know your friends sometimes call you Gazluck, which I think is a wasted opportunity of calling you Gazlucky because that's that's like the perfect uh, mix up
1: ah maybe i'll i'll let my friends know my friends actually call me just gaz um, i know that is my well. my wife and my mom call me andrew and then everyone else just calls me gaz me and my friends kind of do that we don't have first names um like all my friends we just call each other by our last names um there we go i don't i, I don't know how it happened um but yeah no one has a first name it's all last names
0: it's just the unwritten rule of your friends. It's
1: group. like, a, it's like abbreviated name. I have a friend Um, we call Chom Chom. I got a friend called Kusi. Um, <laughs> these are all like shortened versions of like their last names. Um, And then mine got chopped down to just Gaz.
0: What happens if you, if you go and just call them by the first name, is everybody going to say what the fuck is going on? You, you,
1: you get kicked out of the friend group. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, (laughs) they always like, yeah, my name is, you know, uh, you know, Conrad or something like that. And they'll respond. They're not going to be like, you know, my real name, my last name. Uh, But um, I have a really good group of like friends that I've known from uh, college. We've kept in touch right now. We're like heavy in fantasy football um and so lots of trash talking and um lots of last names being thrown around
0: by the way speaking of friends good um good side question not on my list and i love it when it goes off script um how did did you feel like at any point because you've got some media coverage and i guess if your friends check twitter or whatever they see your upward trajectory did you have any challenge with all friends or all the acquaintances as you grew in your career, or is that not a thing?
1: No. Okay. So I'll tell you something funny. So uh, when I was growing business apps and I wrote a tweet yesterday, just kind of outlining how hard I worked to make micro work, like all the newsletters, like all the social media posts, all started being taken live, like the product, the marketing, the sales, everything. Um, and that's not just like a badge of honor. Like I work really hard. It's more, the message was just, if you really want to make a startup work, like you have to love it. Like it has to be like, almost like a a child that you're raising. Um, and I'm a dad. So it's a totally different dynamic. Um, obviously I love my son way more than Mike required, but, um, Mm -hmm. when I was growing business apps, my friends actually sat me down, um, jokingly. And they said, "Gas, like, we get it. You got a startup. You love it. It's all you talk about. Uh, please stop. Please, we <laughs> love you. Like, we get it. Um, and it, and it, it was super, super, super funny. Um, but no, I mean, all my friends are super supportive and we're supportive back. So it's mutual. I have friends that um, have roles you know, very high up in venture-backed businesses, VP of sales, chief of staff, um, COO. Um, some of them are entrepreneurs. That's a different section, but these are my friends from like college. Uh, one of my buddies, um, Chris, he started a company called Sendoso. They're blown up. They just raised like a hundred million soft bank. Um, but, uh, yeah, we we all just support each other and we root for each other to succeed because we care about each other. You know, like that's we beautiful. all want to be. Yeah, we all we all want to like, you know, that's beautiful. Anything we can do to help each other. Um, but there is a line in the sand like where I explain certain things I'm doing and they're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> um, I'm I'm always kind of the wild card every time I talk to them, I have like 10 new things. Um, so I tend to, I tend to, I've, I've toned down how much I talk about, um, what I'm working on. Uh, so I can hear about what my friends are working on and like, uh, celebrate like their, their wins. Um, cause, uh, again, uh, love rooting for my friends to succeed that's beautiful even though even though deep inside i'm like i want to tell you about all this stuff it's so exciting oh my gosh like um but now it's more like like what are you like you you're killing it man like how can i help you that's beautiful is that what you
0: would call a healthy friendship uh somebody who is there to i mean both in the good moments but also pointing out in a friendly manner just like this funny story you mentioned now pointing out with love you know this might be too much. And I guess they were just trying to make you aware because ultimately they they trust in your decision. Is that how you call healthy friendship?
1: I would say those are brothers. These are my brothers. Like I got a group of uh, probably like 20 that we're all in like a group text thing. And we're all, we communicate every single day, Um, but they're brothers. Like, you know, no matter what you do, you know they're there for you they got your back um and i feel really bre- blessed i have some of the coolest friends ever like they um tons of fun super smart everyone's super ambitious um and everyone's just super humble and again rooting for everyone to succeed um but we also like to have a lot of fun together uh, we go and do we celebrate you know As we get older, you know, we've stopped like uh, doing as many events because people move and relocate. I've had friends move from because at one point we all lived in San Francisco. So every single weekend we'd be hanging out in San Francisco, um, going out to, you know, bars or um, restaurants. Um, uh, So I I would say they're more like brothers than friends and i wouldn't trade anything in the world um they're absolutely i i threw out some names but i don't know if they'd be comfortable with that so we'll just we'll we'll call them all just gas friends
0: yeah yeah no need to name them we're respecting people's privacy in 2021 so and
1: i and i i also say that's one of the best ways to really figure out who someone is um oh. look at their friends look at who they serve Look at, uh, if, if some, if, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of successful people. Um, but if you really want to get to know, and I'm not saying I'm like the most like perfect person or whatever, but if you really want to get to know who someone is, go hang out with their friends. Like that literally will tell you a lot about that person. Um, so I see a lot of people and I'm always like, who are your friends? Um, because that's how I feel like I'd really get to know you, um, and I'm confident saying if you met my friends, you'd like them a lot.
0: So you would what? You would look at the quality of these people, or how would you um, improper word? But how would you assess them? Just so I, so I'm sure I get what you're saying.
1: Well, I guess put it another way, um, you know, some people you know, very successful people chase, um, you know, zeros and digits. So it's, what they're trying to do is just get rich as possible. Um, but true happiness comes from, and they become miserable, they get to the top, they reach their goals, and they're miserable, they have no one to share with. And so um, this sounds counterintuitive, but I believe to be truly happy, you need to surround yourself with people that you know, you have these like deep relationships that you'll carry with you until you're 40, until you're 50. That's what life is all about. Um, And so, you know, I I try to keep in touch with my friends as much as possible. We get together often. Um, Like I said, we have a fantasy football league that's like 15 years running. I won last year. So I have the trophy. I have the trophy at my house. Congrats. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, Not doing so good this year. Uh, I picked Alvin Cook and he went out uh, last week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would say just, you know, uh, just understanding like the importance of, you know, these relationships, even outside of business. Um, So people that can, you know, hey, uh, can you do a call for me or like putting a good word over here? and you get 20 people that basically raise their hand in a day that's a good person. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily that's a generalization but what I'm trying to yeah. what I'm trying to get after is um you know um you know I think it's really important for people to um you know just just go through life and be kind to people just be nice just be nice be nice and generous have fun with your friends. Invest in those relationships. Invest in those relationships more than your business. Uh, because at the at the end of the road, um, you know, those, those are the people and those are the relationships you're going to value the most, in my opinion. Do you think
0: that in any way you've sacrificed at all um, your friendship uh, dimension while you were building business apps? Because that was from... If I am from 21
1: to 29? No, so I hired uh, most of my friends. Um, I hired uh, two people at my wedding and I work with them now too. Um, so I hired, uh, my COO was one of my best friends in college. My VP product was one of my best friends in college. Um, and they helped me help me lead business apps to um, an exit. And then I've rehired my VP of product from business apps. His name is Steven Heiser. Um, and he was in my wedding. He's one of my best friends. Uh, so if we get along great, we like joke around. Um, and that's what gets me so excited about Microquire is we don't just have a team. Like we got like um, a team that just gets along well. Um, we've established you know, a really fun culture it like i got off um a call before this and we were just laughing all the time and the last 10 minutes we're like okay what are we gonna talk about business <laughs> uh, but that's important it, you know my job as ceo is to make sure that people are having fun they enjoy their job and they have everything they need to succeed um so to answer your question directly uh no not really i'm sure some people were like annoyed like you know when you see success you always you just get haters um it's just like is I don't know, dude. Sorry, um, but I I try to just look forward, and I um, you know try to stay in my lane. And a uh, change, I would I would say no. I'm trying to think of like if I had a falling out with anybody. I would say the the biggest change that I've noticed is like as I get contacted by a lot of people that were like acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Or like they're at a they 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 work at Zendesk and they want to sell me something, or they just have a startup idea and they need some help, and mm-hmm. I can't help all these people, and so I have like a templated um, email, unfortunately, that just says like, I if I if I tried to help every, it's just not humanly possible, right? Um, but here's some resources I would check out, mm-hmm. and then if you get through these resources, then I'll take a call with you. Um, cause most of the time it's like, I have an idea. Can I pick your brain? Yeah. And I'm like, go through all this and then I'll take a call with you. And you'd be surprised that I'm, I think the, the actual, like the rate at which people go through that list is, um, 2% like, uh, so it's a, it's a good way of like showing people like, Hey, this is what you can do if you can you know come back to me with this information um i'll, I'll help you like just show me like how serious you are mm-hmm. um but I'd, I'd say that's kind of been the biggest sort of like like wow like half my inbox when i wake up is like um just like requests and like all the stuff and like i don't know everything about startups um but some people think i do um So uh, I'd say, I'd say no, but um, I mean, life has definitely changed. That's, that's for sure. But I, I I would say, ask every single one of my friends, every single one of them in college. I said, I'm going to build a startup from freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, build a startup. And they're all like, ah, this gets crazy. Um, And I did it. And now they're all like, Gazluck, Gazluck, <laughs> which I fully, uh, I, I fully agree with too. Um, for, the, for those that don't know the business I started uh, before Microquire, there's a company called Business Apps. It was a no-code app builder for iOS applications. So iOS, no Android, no Blackberry. Like Android hadn't really uh, you know, launched their app. We were that early. Uh, so I just got really lucky with like a uh, right place, right time, huge market, huge problem, um, perfect solution. Um, and, uh, I was 21 when I launched that business. So I had zero experience, no idea what I was doing. Hired my CTO or, you know, lead engineer of Upwork, um, bootstrapped it to 10 million. Uh, it was a crazy ride. I had no idea what I was doing, made a million mistakes.
0: As you said, an obvious uh, solution to an obvious problem back then. Um, very interesting points you made about the friendships. And and I'm I'm happy to hear that. And it all adds up on the imaginary p of what you're saying. Because I've seen you've shared one of those Facebook updates about like a revival of the old post. And I can see you've been, uh, quote unquote, building in public ever since, which to me... You know, doing it for that long shows me that you have nothing to hide. And I get th- that transparency becomes super lightweight when you've got nothing to hide. And when, as you said, everything was, as you said, you weren't trying to deceive anybody with metrics or with promises. So uh, just a quick note that it all seems to be tied together from the outside as well. It adds up. I, I think there's not only nothing wrong with that, but it's a beautiful thing to have uh, that kind of connection with friends
1: yeah and and that's how i update my friends because they all follow me on twitter and stuff and they all see it um but uh with building in public i didn't have like a plan or strategy i wasn't like this company builds in public oh by the way this is like a um I slam my car my I just noticed door that, yeah,
0: yeah oh. so i'm not
1: i'm not like a, like a death metal guy <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> And, and, and the funny part is like I was like, oh this will go away in a week. And then recently I was no, like, does Yeah, no, it takes like six months. So oh. uh, death metal. <laughs> uh, anyways um, yeah, building in public um, I just you know my goal was to just inspire entrepreneurs like you can do it. You can do it like backstory about microquire. you know I, I launched that business and I had a full-time job. I had recently just sold my second company, Altcoin, and I had nothing to do. I was, I negotiated a 30 day transition period because um, it was a very tech heavy project. I didn't really have much I could do. Um, but I was on a consult- consultation um, for like six months after that. Um, but I just started playing Madden all the time. I had nothing to do. I started mentoring startups like here and there. Um, actually I, i'm actually proud to say this uh and you you may have heard this on another um podcast but i became the 98th best madden player in the world um, no way i haven't yeah yeah that's not that's not something to be proud of um <laughs> you, you you have to play like 12 games a day and like uh i just had nothing to do and my wife was pregnant and so we weren't going and traveling um and uh i met a company called Spiff. And I was going to be an advisor and then uh, looked at one of their sales calls and they had just recently let their CRO go. And so they had three untrained sales reps um, and they were in this critical spot where they were going head to head with a a strong competitor. And Spiff, basically, if you have like a 200 person sales team, they all have commission plans. You get 9% if you sell this product. But then when the month ends, there's some poor person in the back that needs to calculate all that. And it's very complex. Yeah. To, sometimes it can take like weeks. And so I use a similar product from my sales team to, cal- to automate our commission calculations. I, I took one look at the product and I was like, how do I get into this? Um, and then I was CRO at that business for about 10 months, helped them raise uh, a 10 million Series A from uh, Northwest Venture Partners. I'm sorry. But in is, the, this,
0: is this where you, where your job was chief revenue officer?
1: Yeah. So, you're right. Right. so I was, I, I built the wholesales process. Uh, do you want to hear how we closed the first deal? It's got money. Very intrigued to hear that. So what they were doing was they were pitching features. Like they were just showing the product mm-hmm. um, way too much. And I get it. So day like one of me kind of like officially starting I'm in my boxers upstairs in my other office if you've ever seen me in other like a different room the one where there's um, a
0: chair in the back yeah yeah i know yeah with of slater on the wall um, We used to do podcasts before before you got this camera set up
1: yeah now i got an upgrade um, yeah now, 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 <laughs> now, but when i'm done i'm go up there because i get like better views um right but uh yeah so i get a text message from uh the ceo he's like hey this company called um logs just came in and if you look up logs they're a heavily company." Um, with, you know, a 150 plus person sales team. And I had no knowledge of the product. I had not been on board. I had not been trained. I didn't know how it worked. And I'm like, okay, I'll take the call. And uh, I just, I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, um, hey, nice to meet. The, the first question you should, you should ask if you have inbound sales coming in is, um, what what made you take the call today? Cause that gives you ultimate, uh, you know, like where, where are you in this? Field? Are you, are you looking to buy immediately? Are you just looking around? Um, do you have like a nine one one issue and need to solve? So uh, they were basically in the decision phase and they were looking at one of our competitors. And I just asked them a few simple questions. I just asked. Um, uh, so how much time do you guys spend on uh, commissions per month? They're like 40 hours. And I was like, do you enjoy doing that? And I know the answer to that question, it's no. And it's a full-time job. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so you're spending 40 hours on commission calculations. What would you spend that time on if you did something, if we automated that process entirely? And then that paints us in their mind. They're like, oh, we rethink the comp plan. We improve all these other things. And we just said, you know, well, wouldn't it make sense to, you know, explore getting that time back to you so you can focus on that? That sounds like a huge ROI. What do you think? And they're like, yeah. And then we, asked again, um, and then we kind of joked and we'd say, uh, I said something like, so if we do automate this and you get 40 hours of your month back, are you just going to take like a week off or something like that? And they start laughing. You always want to get people laughing on sales calls. Um, number one, just because, like, you know, you you want to like, you know, have you want to build rapport and like have people, um, you know, trust you and uh, make sure that you know you're someone that you're going to be a long term partner. Yeah. And then I really implemented um, a phrase at the company that use at business apps is. We are not successful unless you are successful. And uh, that was uh, like a $50,000 deal closed first try. I was surprised. I was like, wow, this product's easy to sell. Um, and so, but my point of that is I was building MicroQuire on the side the whole time. Yeah. I, have a jur- I have a journal entry that um, I'll read to you uh, that I sent to Darren at Spiff. I was going to ask for, for
0: you to read really, if it's easily available.
1: Yeah. So I keep, um, this is like, uh, it, I don't know. If I get it. it just pens you. Julian, yeah, Spit, Spiff and Julian, I'll read it. Um, I'm currently in Utah visiting the Spiff team and absolutely loving it. Really excited to see where this thing goes. I really think this could be a big one. I'm going to be putting micro choir to the side for time and then it goes on, but this was two years ago in September. Um, so I had always been thinking about micro choir, but I hadn't really like put it together. Um, so basically I just, you know, had the development going and then launched it, uh, January, 2020. And then I stayed at Spiff until July, right when their series a closed, I called, um, I notified the board and, uh, obviously talked to like Jaron and, uh, the CEO, um, before resigning, helped them find a replacement for myself interviewed like 10 different sales leaders. And, oh man, when you talk to sales leaders, I'm like <laughs> you, you get some interesting cats, um, like some are like, all oh, fist bangers. Like some are very calm, you know, helpful, uh that's kind of my style is you want to bring people into the business and make them better mm-hmm. rather than hiring experienced people um cuz that's what we did at business apps like i did a reference call for a friend and i was paying him uh, 50k ote at business apps and now he's making like 350 ot i'm like god damn man what, what does do ot you? mean uh on target earnings so basically oh. base plus bonus um mm-hmm. But my point being is like you know, I hear a lot of people make excuses of I like, can't make a startup. I got like a, all these responsibilities, blah, blah blah. I just had a kid. I was writing a book, and I was building my crew car and I launched my groupware, and at during mornings and at night I was writing the newsletters. I was taking service live. I was getting all customer support. So if you want to start to work, you just have to want it bad. That's plain and simple. And that's, that's something that, that's a fortune cookie I'll always live by.
0: A bazillion things I want to go down on, but um, uh, I know time has a limit for us today. So I need to be mindful of the highest impact here. Very is this, interesting. Is this, is this video too? Uh, I, I post a video as well, but as a backup, the main is the podcast. Why? Because
1: well, yeah, I got this like little kick out. Like, yeah
0: yeah that's fine that's fine feel free to to plug it if if it's Eddie Fred startup or something like that
1: blur it out make it look cooler no, <laughs> we'll, we'll brand it with micro acquire as well and if you're listening if you're listening to just audio it's this like blue cup with like red lid it's got like kool-aid in it yeah well I, I, I literally I literally
0: drink kool-aid now you've ruined my chance to blur it or, or to mock up some micro acquire there now <laughs> now you told people what it was about can't anyway anyway moving on really interesting um i see a lot of stuff in what you were doing by the way when you when you sold that contract for 50k your first call and you said uh how much what would you do with that time jokingly was that value-based pricing or was it just did it come natural to you is it something you've grown with time tried and experimented at business apps or just came I,
1: I think i think a lot of people oh like try to make sales sound really really hard but the number one thing you want to do is you want to build rapport. you want to find the pain point and you want to get like a triple agreement on the pain point and then you want to propose a potential solution and then you want to get next steps on the call like book a meeting from a Mm -hmm. meeting bam bam yeah Um, what that means is like okay so this sounds like like usually like a 50k contract is going to take like two three calls you have implementation, onboarding, all that fun stuff, contract signing, red lines. Um, but you always want to keep momentum on the deal. So when you're on the call, just say, hey, the same time next week, work? and you just move the calendar right over, always keep momentum on calls. Yeah. And so those were some of the key things that I implemented um, at Spiff that really helped. Uh, that was that was their first sale, like literally their first like non-affiliate. They had some pilot customers But that was our first big contract on my first day. And as a sales leader, I I have a friend that's moving into a VP of sales role at another company. And he asked me some advice. And I said, the first thing that you should do is win the respect of your team. And the best way to do that is lead by example. Like take the biggest accounts, close them in front of everybody, show them that you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then it all just started coming together. And like the people I worked with were so awesome. Um, And I had a blast, but it it got to a point where microquire was growing so fast. And I kind of felt I got them to where I needed, they needed to go. And they just raised a series B uh, for like 50 million or something like that at like a huge valuation. I don't know. Um, So they're doing great now. Um, And I was just a passerby that just helped.
0: Coming back to your personal life, and I promise listeners that uh, Andrew here was, was nice enough to give some background info in between as the stories were related on business apps, on microcore. even though I intend this episode to be uh, the pro version of Andrew Gazdecki interviews, like uh, for, for people who did what I've done, went through the other interview, because that's what I usually do. I just search somebody's name and I go down the, the, the rabbit hole. So uh, I promise the listeners we're going to come in a second to professional stuff like a career or whatever business. On your personal life, you said you the only treat, so so to speak, after your acquisition was your C63 AMG. Uh, do I remember it correctly? Was it that model?
1: Yeah, I sold it. No way. I bought a Porsche Macon Turbo. Um, I was going to ask you if you're a Merc guy, but
0: yeah now you're no
1: way. no european all the way um <laughs> uh, the Por- the porsche took a little bit of time to grow on me uh because i like aggressive looking cars and the porsche is more soft and subtle but my my c63 just screamed like dad with like a midlife crisis it was super loud it was like hot rod i couldn't turn it on if my son was sleeping and cow. It, it it was like a bomb exploding like my neighbors could have called the cops for like a noise complaint um it was a fun car super fast um i grew up in i was born in detroit but grew up in southern california so i kind of have a little bit of like if i have one vice it's it's cars i just i, I love it. if i ever become like a billionaire i'm i'm buying every car i'm buying like classics i'm buying like you know old school muscle cars i'm buying and I'll just look at them. I, I don't know that what, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I ever have, it probably won't happen, but that's, that's where I'd go. I love, I love cars. Um, so I sold that and I recently bought, um, uh, Porsche on turbo.
0: Would you buy a DeLorean just for, um, archive purposes, so to speak? For, for, so like
1: for a collection. In tribute to my father. Yeah. That, that actually is. Um, so I work with a financial advisor, um, and that's on the list of things. Um, buying a house for my parents is on um, my list of things. And then buying a DeLorean. Because um, my father passed away early. And he, I don't know too much about him, but I know, you know, he worked with DeLorean. And so, yeah, I want to get DeLorean and sit in that thing and be like, yeah, my dad was a fucking badass. Um, but he designed it. He I've looked, I've I've watched reviews of the DeLorean. And it's not that fast. And it's just so that's otherwise I'd have one like today. Um, but I need <laughs> I, I need uh to wait a little bit longer. Um, because a- another thing too, I'll note is um I-, I don't like to buy a lot of stuff. So like when I sold my um uh, AMG, that might seem like oh, you're buying all these cars and stuff, but I sold my AMG for 40 grand. Then I bought the Porsche Macan for 50 grand use is 2006 with 24,000 miles. So I paid 10 grand for like a new car that I can drive my son around in. And it's really fast. Um, but I don't, I don't like buying things. Um, I like to have goals. So maybe if there's an outcome with microquire, require, those are some things that I mm. can look forward to. Like yeah. Yeah. So once you, once you stop, like, you know, having like dreams and like, you know, looking forward, not saying like I'm a materialistic person by any means, but um, you know, I, I, I like to think of those as like, if I get there, yeah. do I need, do I need them to be happy? <laughs> no, I, 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 I am so blessed with my life. Like, a gas gas luck is real even me winning <laughs> fantasy football is gas luck um which everyone said um uh, no I, ju- I just try to live a simple life um i have you know a beautiful wife i got a beautiful son um i got a car i like that's all i need have you sold the Merck? for
0: profit because i think you said on uh on another podcast that you got it you negotiated down because you told the guy look man nobody's buying this it's yeah, custom, yeah it's camo oh my
1: goodness and you yeah. kept it
0: for two years or one year something like that
1: yeah so i bought it go. for thirty two thousand. it's a rare car um yeah. so it's it's not a car where you go hey i want to get a car and you go and buy a c63 amg um for those that aren't familiar with uh amg it's basically like mercedes hot rod version like it's super loud and super fast and it had like blacked out wheels and like um it it was not a a dad car so i thought i'd grow up a little bit um but yeah i bought it for 32 but i kept really and and one second for context as well for
0: listeners it was the last naturally aspirated v8 if i'm not mistaken or v something yeah
1: Yeah. so i don't like i don't i'm not a big fan of um by turbo cars so um the amgs past 2014 uh started moving towards turbo and i wanted a naturally aspirated one so i got a really it was my second one um it was my favorite car to that extent It was my second one so i traded in my other one got this other one um, slapped on an army tricks exhaust so it's even louder uh, <laughs> it, it was it was ridiculous but it was a lot of fun but okay. um anyways
0: yeah. for people listening naturally aspirated means in plain english very loud and the very car like sound that purists would say you know those are the real cars those that sound that way so the very vroom vroom cars so to speak for oh, some, somebody I listening I who doesn't it, have an idea
1: just google c63 army tricks exhaust and you'll understand
0: yeah what would what be your top three cars because you, so you got a porsche now i've had jason fried as well on the podcast that he's a porsche guy uh i asked him what is he driving now because he never said that so he anyways i think he has a Taycan if i'm not mistaken the electric one What's like your top three and is it all porsche
1: uh no, not on Porsche. I'd probably go um Ferrari three sixty-three Modena. I think that car was significant because that was like um uh Ferrari's like moment of like really building a car um that was like affordable. Like that kind of put Ferrari like back on the map in terms of sales. Um so there's a little bit of history significance of that. Um uh Lamborghini Diablo just because uh 80s um and then third third would be um uh a DeLorean. and then if i could throw in a fourth <laughs> uh what uh, what was i going to say um oh uh, the lamborghini urus the um lambo uh suv that car is a beast i look at it and i'm like oh i know that's your secret deep
0: down wish you said it on uh, on a, in another interview but uh, you've mentioned the 360, the, the Modena on, on, on Ferrari uh, being the affordable. I think the latest one they've made, the Ferrari Roma, is their quote-unquote affordable in today's prices. Have you seen that one?
1: I haven't, but I like older cars. I like I like cars with a little bit of history. Um, uh, and then they're, they're, look at the backstory of the um, 360 Modena and it was really like ferrari's attempt to like really enter the mainstream not the mainstream but really bring like a classic ferrari Mm -hmm. um back um because i think they were being criticized on their cars before that um and that was kind of like their coming back car oh the next car i'd get would be an audi r8 i get a 2009 iron man car uh silver (laughs) um I've driven those cars they're jerky as hell. It feels like you're driving around with a guy who does not know how to drive an manual. <laughs> they're they're not fast at all like you're like if you have a Tesla you'll smoke that thing in a second but it's just yeah. it's such a beautiful car um, and Iron Man's my favorite Marvel movie so no way
0: uh, I, So yeah just like uh, Elon Musk had a cameo maybe one day you'll be a cameo in, in a movie in an Iron Man movie.
1: Uh, Maybe. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. You'll take it.
1: This you want me in a movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. Speaking of old cars and this, this the backstory. Have you seen the new Lamborghini Kuntash? Do you have any feelings on that one? Because it's a it's a revamp.
1: Oh yeah, that thing is a, a thing of beauty. Uh it's a little out of my budget. Uh yeah, that's what I was see, gonna say. I, I, I try not to look at cars like that, um, just because they're so out of reach. And a fun fact about exotic cars is they actually stop depreciating in value after about eight to 10 years. So if you can actually buy a Ferrari, like let's say 360 Modena, and uh, basically the only way the car will, this isn't the case with everything, but um, there's a huge valuation drop or depreciation across um, eight to 10 years. And after that, the value is determined on the quality of the car, um, mileage, that sort of stuff. So you can get really nice exotic cars um, if you go older. So I, I don't I don't buy new car. I don't, it's a waste of money, it's the biggest waste of money. Like um, most uh European cars depreciate at a compounded rate of 33%, I believe, for the first four years, and then they level off to 12% after that. So I always look to buy five years out. So like,
0: if, if we're looking at something like a Lambo, you're saying what a Gallardo being, you know, flat lining in terms of depreciating That's what am
1: Yeah. Look it up, look up exotic car depreciation, how it works. And mm-hmm. yeah, like literally most like exotic cars will kind of maintain a price, um, based on just quality rather than years after oh. about eight to 10 years. Only I'm problem not, is- I'm not, I'm not like an expert here. I'm not like a car yeah, dealership yeah. guy.
0: Only problem is you won't have Bluetooth in that car. So you won't be able to blast your music. So where's the fun?
1: Yeah. You need that, to that, burn that, a CD that, with that, your music. That's, that, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. So moving on to in, in the same area, but to more precise stuff, you've, I know you've been very candid in the past, which I, by the way, appreciate about uh, not coming in from a wealthy background and now you are in what people would call a wef- wealthy situation. W- what is something they, they don't tell you about becoming wealthy?
1: It doesn't make you happy at all. No, like uh, you work. So, I mean, the only thing that money solves is money problems. Um, mm-hmm. That was a piece of advice from uh, one of my angel investors is, It's not going to solve whatever you were trying to prove. It's not going to solve whatever personal issues you have. Um, A lot of the times money just amplifies who you really are. So if you're an asshole, you're going to be a bigger asshole now. (laughs) If you're a generous person, you're going to be even more generous. Um, So uh, I think that was the biggest thing. And then... uh, I mean, I I think the biggest the biggest benefit of um, wealth and creating wealth is uh, just it, it relieves so much stress in your life. Uh, I don't check the stock stock market. I don't have any crypto holdings. I used to have a ton, I bought one time about like two to three hundred Bitcoin for like twenty thousand. I sold it for like twenty three thousand. I thought it was a genius. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I just love building startups. So uh, what I would recommend is, you know, if that's if that's your goal, um, and, and that transparently in, in full disclosure, that was my goal. Um, you know, growing up without means, I was like, I, I, I want to be a millionaire. like I, this is the life that I want to chase. Um, and then when I finally got there, um, you know, I live in a nice home, you know, I have cars that are nice, but you can take it all away and I and I I I'd, I'd be fine. I'd be sad, definitely be sad. Like, you know, um, it'd still be you. What what really makes me happy is podcasts like this, where I get to talk to cool people. Um, when I get emails from people that, you know, maybe had a life-changing acquisition, Um, Those are the things in life that really make you happy. And then also your personal relationships, like the relationship you have with your wife, your children. Um, So I'm working all the time, but that's only because I really love what I'm doing. I have no thought about, you know, the financial outcome. Um, I just want to help people. Um, and, And that, you know, that's what gets me going and that sounds like a grilled cheese sandwich but uh
0: we don't say so I I know you also say that it's it's not necessarily intelligence after a certain point but grit and hard work that gets you into the successful phase so to speak and anyways I I I tend to like if people get disappointed by hearing this well that's really the point that, that there isn't that
1: much more to it my take you said at one point when i got i'll I'll say i'll say one more thing i know way way more miserable millionaires by a multitude of like multitude of like 100 to one than do happy ones these people are in therapy like because you get to the top and you alienate everybody you don't like foster relationships like um, and this isn't like, maybe not a hundred, but there's a lot of really wealthy people that are just like, like Tony Robbins talks about it. He says, like, I, I talked to some of the wealthiest people in the world who have everything and they are so empty and sad inside. Um, so I like to, I like to say, I'm like broke rich. We're like, you know, I don't have enough money to like, don't ask for money. Cause I don't have enough. Um, but enough to be comfortable, I think that's like the perfect range and more of a realistic range for entrepreneurs to shoot for. Um, But yeah, just, just figure, just understand that it's not going to make you happy. Um, It'll definitely make life a lot easier. Like, um, but that's pretty much it. You said at one point
0: when I got there uh, speaking about wealth, did you consider that, A certain point during business apps or the liquidity event when you sold because i'm curious to know i i have a strange feeling based on what you were saying in interviews that you weren't paying yourself as much as you could as a salary out of business apps and your liquidity event uh, transferred that into your personal wealth so uh, how did that thing go
1: Yeah. So there was several years where I went without a salary at business apps. I just kept my expenses. I was really young. So I didn't have like a family. I didn't have a mortgage. I just had an apartment in San Francisco. I was really good at saving. Um, And my CFO would be like, Hey, so we're going to go in the red. If you know, you, if you hire this person, I'm like, all right, well, here's some more budget. My salary is now zero. Let me get this person. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, those are some of the sacrifices I made. Um, I don't recommend them, but that's how bad I wanted the business to work. Um, but uh, yeah, when I when I sold business apps, you know, I went to zero to a hundred real quick. Um,
0: trademark, yeah. Tra-
1: tra- trademark Drake on that, um, yeah. But, Uh, yeah, it was one of those moments where I knew my life had changed forever, but I had really, really, really good, uh, like shout out to Christian Friedman. I literally, like I changed my fucking life. Um, And he's a brilliant entrepreneur, amazing human being. And um, my other angel investor, Robert Chazerino, he had also sold a company for, so Christian Friedman built a company called build.com. It's basically Home Depot online. They grew it to like, Three billion, I think mean, it's probably like five billion GMB now. Um, with pandemic, and everyone fixed up their house because they have to stay there <laughs> a lot more. Uh, but my second angel investor sold his company for uh, you know low eight figures or something like that, and um, we all we were we were kind of like a little crew. We still keep in touch, but we have this rule where if you sell your company, do not touch the money for twelve months. Like let it sink in yeah, you can walk in a Ferrari dealership and buy whatever you want on the spot, but just act like nothing happened. Don't mm-hmm. change anything in your life. Um, and I, and I followed that guidance. Um, cause you hear so many stories of like people, I got a buddy who sold a company for like 160 million and he bought like some ridiculous stuff and like bought like a $30 million home in the middle of San Francisco and he can't sell it. He's tried to start this other company immediately, um, wasted like 18 million on that. Just, it's sad to see. Um, but if you surround yourself with people that like have gone through exits before and get their take on it, like, what should I do? Um, and that's what I, I tried to seek out advice of how do I not fuck this up? Yeah, because <laughs> um, I'm because I'm really good at fucking stuff up, um, and I and I got really good um, advice, and I'm I'm obviously forever grateful for that. Um, but yeah, if you have an exit, um, just chill out for like six to twelve months, let it settle in, and then um, you know start making some plans from there.
0: At, at the same time, you said that stress uh, goes away for money problems. I would imagine that as business apps was growing. And at least at the end of the year, your accountant, your CFO was telling you, look, money in, money out. This is how much we've got. Um, was that sort of stress also diminishing as you saw the, I don't want to say valuation, but like the p statement of my, of business apps, because I know that at one point you also had another acquisition offer, which eventually you turned down. So you, I, I can under, I can guess that you knew at the back of your head, look, if we managed to get X million in 2017, I can get maybe less, maybe more than that, but somewhere around that. So you knew you have an asset in the business that you
1: could, so in case you would need that. I guess I'll answer that with some advice that um, Christian Friedman gave me. So he always would remind me like, you're a millionaire like you haven't sold your company but this company is worth millions of dollars you haven't raised any venture capital um you raise a hundred thousand you own like 85 percent plus of the business you're a millionaire if you want to sell it you can sell it like whenever you want and that kind of gave me a perspective of like okay it's not cash but it's an asset just like a home yeah um what well, what other piece of advice did i get um and then, in terms of like stress, um, the business was really profitable at the beginning, like extremely profitable. So, we ran the business with at least one to two million in cash on hand. So, there was no payroll stress. There was no like, oh, we, I never had a moment like that. Um, mm. So, that also helped a lot. We had no burn rate because we were profitable. Um, right. And I ran the business at break even. So any sort of profit we had, it'd be like, let's put it here. Let's put it here. Let's put it here. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those investments didn't work out very well. Um, but we were always like thinking of new ways, to, like grow the business. And, um, but it was a wild ride. I mean, I, the book I wrote, um, if you haven't uh, seen me kind of talk about it, I, I it's more of like, it's, it, it's such an interesting story in my opinion, because it's not a book on, um, this is how you build like a a huge business. And like, here's all the tips and tricks. It's just like, here's how I thought of the idea. Here's how I met Christian Friedman. Here's the discussion I had with my um, girlfriend, now wife at the time about, um, you know, spending 25,000 for a prototype when I had student loan. Um, You know, moving uh, out of Chico to Millbrae, from Millbrae to San Francisco, like the whole journey, um, Mm -hmm. all mistakes included um i mostly wrote it for my son just so um when he's like a teenager i can say like hey i was that was cool too man uh, <laughs> uh it, it's it's dedicated to to him his name's julian um oh bless but, but 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 I what that. i did was i kept a journal because i knew it was so weird i'm like 23 and i'm like managing all these people uh, and I was like, this isn't normal. Uh, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I luckily surrounded myself with like CEO coaches. And like had, uh, again, I got more value from uh, one time Christian Freeland did the thing where he connected his Gmail account. And it showed him who he emailed the most. And there's this big bubble. And it was me. <laughs> and then number two was um, his wife. Then number three was uh, his number two at his company. So More. we just got along really well and just um I don't know the point I'm trying to make here, but uh um yeah, I, told, I, I totally lost track. It, it was
0: it. it was the question of uh I was asking you about stress and how stress about money issues, and you didn't have yet the liquidity even, but you started telling me about Christian Friedman's piece of advice of you're a millionaire, it's an asset, it's not in cash. But
1: yeah, and I and I'm not you know, I I I knew that day would come. I didn't know when. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. if it wasn't it wasn't a matter. Of, and it, actually, this you know, if I kept running the business, like Amazon has released like a do yourself app builder. W- Wix has launched one. Um, the business has been there's been multiple different you know app builders. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I sold it. Cause I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they say I'll never sell my business, but it's like, you're not going to pass this down your kid. Cause it's going to get disrupted like 50 times over time. Yeah. Yeah. So a lo- a big part about selling a company is also timing. You want to time it when the market's right. And when you have a lot of buyers, you have a lot of momentum, you have a lot of um, upside in the future. That's a good time to go to market. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand you have to sell your company. You have to sell it. I think a lot of entrepreneurs think Google shows up at your door. They're like, Hey, 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 welcome to Google. (laughs) You know, $50 million, $500 million. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is exactly that. No, you have to sell it. You have to actually like, you have to outline like a business case. Like this is like, you know what could happen to revenue if we raise prices this could happen if we reduce expenses this is kind of a product roadmap and like what we're forecasting once these products are released you have to sell the business and so that's why i always say founders um, that can sell have an advantage over 99 percent of founders
0: you've mentioned your book is it out because i've seen it hinted in the summer
1: it, it keeps getting delayed uh I were, it's now it's slated for december um mm. i thought it was october now it's december um but it's it's full it's fully completed um but they have like a proofreading i heard uh scribe media so we're doing an audio version uh hardback um i figured if i'm going to write a book might as well do it right but it's taken a lot longer than i anticipated well we'll be we'll be standing i'll be standing
0: by at least waiting for his release
1: and and it's going to be completely free like i'm not trying to make money off of it i'm not trying to be like a weird influencer or anything like that um it's just you make it own... free
0: if it's hardcover and that or or you mean ebook free and you can buy physical
1: yeah and just pay like the shipping so i don't have to like mm. you know pay for to get it to you um right yeah so if you pay for like uh five dollars in shipping yeah you can get the physical version or the audio version will be completely free. Um, but yeah, I just wrote it cause I thought it was an interesting story and I thought uh, it, and it's fun to reread for me too, because it's like a big trip down memory. And I'm glad I got all that stuff out of my head because, exactly. because this was like a decade ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, writing that book. I'm reading this book right now from this publishing mogul
0: and, um, I think he's something like 60 or 50 when he's writing the book and he has many points where he says, look, I wish, I wish I could remember it properly, but this happened a long time ago. So this is subject to debate because memory sometimes plays tricks on me because of my age. So a uh, good point in putting it down now when it's, it's still fresh, so to speak, compared to writing it at 60 or whatever.
1: Yeah. And, and a tip for anyone who wants to do something similar, Keep a journal, not like a weird journal where it's like, "Hey, Daniel, welcome to my journal." You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I have a journal that I update every month. Uh, I get my, I use Penzu. It's just an online journal, and it's like eight bullet points. How's business going? How am I feeling? Who have I just hired? Any major movements in the business? And that that's it. Takes me five minutes to write, but that little snapshot when i read it i, I go back and I'm like oh yeah hmm. i remember i remember all that stuff do
0: you do you have that with songs as well you know when you hear a song and it reminds you of a certain period of time
1: yeah spotify does a great job of doing that they're like here's all the songs you listened to in like 2015 2014 and i'm like man, man my choice in music is really involved <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll be looking forward to book. Because I was going to ask you how you met Christian uh, uh, Friedman, but I will Can find I, out. You, gonna... you,
1: you, you want to hear the story? It, yeah, I mean, even if it's long, let's do let's do it. Uh, so Christian Friedman was like the I looked up to him. He was like he was the guy at Chico State. Um, he had the biggest company next to Sierra Nevada Brewery uh employed thousands of people and he's the closest thing you'll ever get to Ari Gold. I did a podcast with him. If you want to check it out, just type in Andrew Gazdeck and Christian Friedland. Uh and me and him, he make I, before I used to wear glasses and I got LASIK and he'd always make fun of me because I look like Ty Lopez. And, <laughs> and so Christian Friedland now lives in Puerto Rico and uh Ty Lopez is in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and christian will text me he's like hey i'm gonna go up to ty right now and be like are you andrew Gazdecki? are you him <laughs> uh because sometimes on twitter i'm like hey ty you should apply for this job just kind of joking around here
0: in my garage
1: yeah <laughs> i mean he's he's a great guy i don't have any problems with him um but like yeah literally all my friends start calling me like ty books i like i love to read a lot and then i look like him so it's just like oh man Um, But anyways, um, yeah, so he was introduced to me by a professor at CSU Chico State. And I'll never forget it. I was like 21 at the time. Um, I had about 30,000 in recurring revenue. And this was all from cold calling um, local businesses around Chico State. Pulls up in this like brand new Mercedes. He's got like a blazer on. He just looks like a badass. And I'm just like, you know, maybe today I'd be like, seeing this a lot um, but back then i was like whoa okay this guy's a real deal and then we sit down he orders a drink and he he's like show me on your apps um and he's really he's such a fun guy to be around um and he's like i'll give you uh for you know 20 of the company right now and i was like whoa i don't even i don't know you uh what do i do here um and then the, the way the story goes is um, we eventually uh, rescheduled a meeting at his office, and um, we were just riven on the business. And he stops me midpoint because I was talking about how, I, how I'm thinking about growing it, um, all the opportunities of you know how we can go to market, um, going through the product in a little bit more detail because he had like a big screen. I could build an app in front of him,
0: mm-hmm. and he just
1: thought he and he just goes, "Hey, all right, so what do you want?" And I said like uh like 50k for 500 thousand or no 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 uh 50k uh for 10 percent yeah and yeah. he was like no uh I'll give you 50k for 20 percent I'm like chris and I said this and I was like christian I can't let you win this debate man like uh we'll we'll do 12 or 13 for 50k and he takes and I remember the pause he goes I like your style deal. And he wrote me check on the spot <laughs> to my, to micro car LLC, which wasn't even, we weren't even a formed organ. So I couldn't even check cash the check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to go form a business then I could cash a check. Um, but though, those are the type of people you want involved. Like he was my mentor and just, he poured everything he knew about business into me and just, I absorbed all of it. I'd write him like, such long e- i feel bad for him now um because i would always be asking him for advice because he always like deliver it um and obviously you can find that in multiple places but um you know a lot of the way i think about businesses is shaped shape by him so that 50k he gave me honestly is worth millions in terms of value that he added in inside of the business he wasn't just a check and then yeah yeah. he like we used used to do daily updates because the business was growing so fast so every day it was like okay we grew five percent and then we moved to weekly and then we moved to monthly and then we moved to quarterly um uh, that business would be nada without him
0: i'm very happy you brought this up because it's a very good segue into something else i've had and i feel like you're in such a great position to advise on this um Micro acquire and goes hand in hand most of the time with bootstrapping. Not always, but most of the time. How can people, people who are listening to this, myself included, by the way, people listening to this and saying, "I want that thing that you've had from Christian." uh, Can people get mentorship without getting investment? Because in this case, I mean, you you found what what is one of the best case scenarios with an angel investor. Can people get that? Can, can somebody get advice from you without getting investment from you, let's say, and I know this has to play with timing, your availability, what you're doing at the moment, et cetera, et cetera. But just as an example.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll give a shout out to um, Eddie. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Malik or something like that. Sorry, Eddie, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, he, he's one of the co-founders of Big Commerce, and I met him through, uh, Microquire. he went on live chat and he couldn't reset his password and when people can't reset their passwords i'm like okay um and then i look him up i'm like oh whoa you're a (laughs) a co-founder big commerce and then we we talk on slack uh we haven't really been chatting as much as usual but for a while he was guiding me on on the business and he's acquired a company through the business but my point being is if you want to find a mentor, stop trying to find a mentor and start doing something interesting. And then start finding people that find what you're doing interesting. And that's how it all lines up. It never lines up with, hey, I need a mentor. Will you just tell me right. everything I need to do? Because I don't have time for that. And I don't, I don't know what you need to do. I don't know what you're good at. I need mm-hmm. to see it. Um, and that's what I did with Christian. That's what I did with, you know, Eddie. And there's a number of different people through microquare I've met that I talked to on like Will Schroeder from startups.com, David Hauser, who uh founder of Grasshopper. Um, first some of the shout outs I can give? I, I can give like a hundred. Um, not a, I'm not that cool, maybe like ten. Um <laughs> but you, you get you you get what I'm saying? Like when you yeah. build something that people find fascinating, um you naturally just start gravitating towards those people. And then you just foster those relationships. It sounds gone. Sorry. No, you go ahead. It sounds like
0: if you see somebody who's doing something cool, you can assume that they went through that list of resources you've had, or maybe not those specific ones, but they've incorporated the lessons that your list of resources tells people what you mentioned earlier, that canned message in emails from people who are saying, Hey, can you mentor me? No, 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 no.
1: Don't send it. Don't send it. Like send like, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Um, Like let let me know if you have like, build something first, or even just a pitch deck. Like, Hey, I just made this pitch deck. It's an idea to like help with this industry. Here's the problem. Yeah. Always solve problems. Very simple. Um, And you never know.
0: Yeah. I I was saying something else. I was saying that if you see that somebody's building something interesting, you can sort of assume with some products that they made that they've incorporated what your list of resources might teach might want to display so it's like already a filter so to speak in the same way micro acquire, as you said has a filter that 290 per year uh if you're not going to pay that you're probably not going to be serious about acquiring so it's like a filter to keep at bay the not so serious people
1: yeah i mean i think the main point is um focus on on doing something interesting and interesting people will come to you That's how it's always worked for me. Um, That's my, that's, I I can only speak from personal experience, but you can find mentors like everywhere. Like, you know, um, I've taken a few entrepreneurs under my wing um, just because I believe in them. Um, But, you know, once, if you have something interesting and, you know, I find it interesting and I believe in you. And if I give you feedback and you implement it, yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's what really like, you know, okay. If I talk to you, you're really going to like be thankful and apply this feedback. Um, not saying my feedback is always right. Cause a lot of times it's also wrong, but just ideas. Like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? And I'm like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I tried that, but it didn't work. Have you tried doing it like this? And we start. And then I guess another way to put it is like, um, you know, the entrepreneurs I love to work with are the ones that I know are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I, I, I was listening to, um, a podcast, but as an entrepreneur, like when you talk to another entrepreneur, you, you just feel it. Like you just know it like within like five, you just the obsessiveness around the business, like the love around the customers, um, the thoughts around the product where this thing could go. Um, you know you can tell that like this is an entrepreneur this isn't someone who's just starting a startup because it's cool and trendy and they want to know how to raise funding um and then you know that run that circle yeah like, like the circle of what everyone tells you to do to be successful as an entrepreneur but they're focused on the things that matter and you're like yeah like you're 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 putting in the reps like you're you're going you're 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 taking practice seriously. You're thinking. You're strategizing. Um, you know those are those are the entrepreneurs that um, really stand out to me, and I respect a lot.
0: You've mentioned something super interesting, uh, something along the lines. Tell me how much of this of this I got right, and I'm also adding from myself. Uh, actually, I'll just say my experience. I've noticed that with mentors, you something you can do as a mentee is maybe sometimes you need to put a tiny bit more effort to show them. Maybe not, maybe it comes natural, but it pays to show them that you've at least considered, or perhaps that you've done what they said, if you believe it fits as well. So that it, it takes off that uh, number one, not fear, but number one uh, moment from a mentor, which is I spent all this time telling you this and it's six months in and you haven't done anything. So to, to counter that. Sometimes when somebody gives me advice and I actually do it and I, and I value it, I try and show them that I've considered that I've done it just to take that off. Um, would you agree with that? And is there something, some other stuff you can do as well to make yourself more mentorable to the degree that you want to, of course?
1: Yeah. I mean, y- y- you don't want to just blindly like listen to mentors just so they continue to, to help you. But if you show progress, um, even without them, um, that gets them even more excited. Like, wow, I didn't think of that you did. Um, and then another part I would add to that is, um, uh, the relationship of the mentor, like the personal relationship. like can you chat, can you swear? Can you swear around this person? like can you laugh around? like I, I swear a lot and it's a bad habit. Christian Friedland swears more than any human I've ever met in my life. Um, and he's he, he's brilliant, but that's just he just likes to swear. Uh, you know and it's it's super super. Our board meetings were so funny. Um, but he made work fun and like I did too. And like, I, you know, kind of clown on him sometimes. Um, so just having like a personal relationship where it's not just all about like work and business, it's like, you really, like you take a call to the person and you leave that call where you've given some advice, but you've also caught up, like everything's going. Like you enjoy interacting with that, like, you need to kind of find that, like that personal mesh that personal relationship because there's so many different personality types, but when you find, like, I felt uh, like me and Christian, just, we just mesh. Like, we just like, like we'd go out and get drinks. Like we'd go out and like have fun together. Once we sold business apps, that was fun. Uh, like we just, you know, he's like a a family member to me. I'd, I'd let him, you know, uh, I don't know what I could offer him, but if you ever needed a favor, I'd be there. Like he's, he's someone in my life that I'll never forget. And those, those relationships, um, transcend mentorship. And that, I think that's like really the pinnacle is just not only do these people provide, you know, excellent business value, but they, they truly care for you. Mm -hmm. Like Christian at times would tell me like, don't take that acquisition offer. Like, I think you can do better. Um, or he would say things like, Hey, you should take this one. Um, this, it seems a, a good time. I felt like he always had my best interest in heart, even though he was an investor in business app. So he had, you know, his, um, you know, motives for certain, you know, advice, uh, like sell now, cause he can liquidate, but he, I felt like he always just had my back. And so I trusted him. Um, and that's cause we like really built like this, uh, friendship, like relationship. And when you find that, um, you know, like that, that can really be like, that can make or break your career. And that could be in like a sales role too. You can have like a VP of sales that just really believes in you and you get along, you joke around all the time. Um, and those people will go out of their way to like help you.
0: That's so beautiful. I, I, I felt what you said earlier and I, I wish it to everybody listening to this. If you get to that level of, of a of a connection, it's it is something beautiful and rare. Um, Christian sounds like I shouldn't be saying this because I don't know what I'm talking about. I haven't watched Silicon Valley, but I, I my friends were showing me Russ. Chris sounds like Russ minus all the bad parts and minus the satire, minus the jokes, like the the essence of Russ, like an actually cool. Angel, you know, put aside all the satire.
1: And I know Silicon Valley is only satire. Uh, He's a top he's he's, He he operates on another level. Like the way his mind works and the way he can command a room and his charisma. And uh, he knows literally everyone. He probably get a call with Obama if he wanted to or Joe (laughs) Biden. Um, Everyone loves him. He's just such a good human being. Um, so, you know, there's just, there's parts of certain people that are just, you know, like, again, I don't know where I was trying to go with that besides just saying like Christian's awesome. Um, (laughs) That's nice. But, uh, yeah, like he, he's just one of those people, like, um, I wouldn't compare him to Russ Hanneman at all, but you know, he's brilliant. Guess how much he raised for build.com. After growing it to five billion in GMV,
0: Uh, I have no clue for these things, but I don't want to refuse you. I don't know, so five billion GMV. Can you just tell me this: how much of a cut they're taking from that, or how what the revenue is?
1: I I I don't know the business that well to like really speak. All right,
0: hundred mil zero. Oh,
1: Jesus. <laughs> I thought he had actually raised something and I had to get. No, it. he is a gangster. You me. He, he is a real deal entrepreneur. Like he's right. a person like, again, he grew up, we have a similar upbringing too. He lost his father young. Um, he grew up on the wrong side of town, you know, got into some trouble as a kid. Entrepreneurship saved his life. Um, and he knows what it's like to work as if like your life literally depends on it uh and that's kind of what he instilled in me and we don't we we just kind of had similar upbringings we had so much in, in common um and uh yeah i don't want this podcast to be like a, a christian freedom love fest but uh come on he deserves it yeah he, he does him. he does i tell him all the time i'll send him random text be like love you, dude hope you're well uh, happy, <laughs> ha- ha- happy birthday happy anniversary uh he gets my christmas cards and i'm sure he i don't know what he does with them but uh yeah he's he's amazing but if you find someone like that in your career early on it can be completely transformative and it was for me
0: all right i, I would continue on this but you said you want to make it just about christian something else i want to bring up about how you and, approach and, and, and just a heads up i got i got
1: a hard stop in 13 i got another meeting at 1 uh, 30 cool yeah so that's
0: in 30 minutes yeah yep um you said in the past that startups are your hobby and you mentioned this earlier as well that you mostly work and when when you work it's not really work because it's your hobby anyways that's the point um do you do you work on weekends do you take time off or is it always always working until you say all right this is it i'm i'm my brain is fried for the day or how how's the dynamic going
1: um I'm pretty much always working like 24/7. Um aside from, you know, I spend as much time with my son as much as possible. Um he gets home from daycare at 5 and he goes a bit at like 7, so that time I'm, you know, with him. Um weekends completely dedicated to family. You might see me on Twitter but um like when I, when I tweet, I don't like have a strategy. I just, I just open up my yeah. phone. I enjoy posting stuff and that's it. Um, I just know like people, we did before this episode started. Yeah. Like people have these guides, like how to build your Twitter audience. My guide is like, learn how to make Twitter fun. And then like, go use it more. And then like, you know, and then you, you'll kind of find like what you like to talk about. Um, I like to talk about startups. So that's typically what I am posting. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of working all the time, um, but in a healthy balance, I get a lot of, a lot of good sleep. Um, you know, I try to exercise as much as possible. That's something I could work on. Um, but it, it, it's not work. It's, it's just yeah. not, it's like, it's like my favorite video game. Like, you know, it used to be Madden, now it's Microquire. Microquire, yeah. But as somebody, can we go a bit back to your
0: 20s? as somebody I'm 23 and it's the same for me. It's, I don't really, I have many micro hobbies outside this, but most of the time that I can devote to the business, I do it because it's, I can keep going. And do Um, it now
1: and do it now when you're young, you know, work, work as hard as you can to like achieve financial freedom in your, in your thirties. And then you could just do whatever you want. Like, that's what I think, people who go and get jobs after college to understand like you're, you're just going into a trap. It's a giant, it's a giant fucking trap. You get like this job as like, let's use like a sales um, analogy. So you get to cold call all day. That's a, that's a great job. Um, but then you get promoted to account executive. And then you get a nice apartment and then you start like paying for all this stuff. Cause you're, you're making a little bit of money. Next thing you know, you're trapped, like you can't get out of it, and then you're fucked for the rest of your life. Um, unless you take a couple steps back, which is very painful to do, and very few people have the courage to do that. Um, you know, if you're in your 20s, now is the time to take as much risk as possible. That's what I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, because if I had to grind, like I grinded and you know, worked like I did to get business up off, off the ground. I'm not sure if it would work. It just, it it was too demanding. Um, you know, my lack of experience in terms of work. So I had to overcompensate my lack of experience with hard work. Um, so I would say take as much risk. You just don't have much to lose. You, you can go be an SDR when you're 25. Like, so you're I sus- not- gone. That's that's my, my whole point. I
0: subscribe to that, and that's what I incorporate. At the same time, the angle from which I'm asking this is, in those few moments, it doesn't happen that, but there are some few moments when I, let's say it's eight p.m. and I'm saying, "All right, I can push through this," but my brain is fried out. Some other times I can work till midnight, and it's I can be day in day out in those in in that downtime which happens once every three to six weeks if i had to put a, a number to it i don't really have any hobbies besides that so like I, i've been interviewed by the guys that interview you as well um builder by podcast Darryl and, and, and nicholas and they they started with so what are your hobbies what do you do outside work and i said guys i i, and I respect this but I genuinely don't have any answer here. It's going to be
1: something boring. So let's, let's, let's just skip through this. Um, what- and, and, that's, and that's nothing to be ashamed about. Like what you've done is you've won the lottery. You found your hobby as a business that potentially can have a huge payoff. Trust me, going out and playing tennis all the time isn't going to like really help you like achieve whatever your goals are. Yeah. Unless you want to be a professional tennis player. Um, now I'm not saying it's good. It's not bad to, you know, you definitely want to have some sort of hobby outside of work, but at your age, go all in like work twice as much work twice as hard when you're tired rest, of course. Um, but what do you do I, when you rest? This is my question really.
0: Cause there's, there's not that much. I don't have mostly any I, other hobby.
1: Yeah. I, I zone out. I completely just let my brain just i'll put on the dumbest tv show and i'll just straight like not look at my phone like some tips i have now um i don't sleep with my phone in my room um if you have trouble waking up in the morning i I try to be very consistent um Mm -hmm. you can usually tell when i wake up by when i post on twitter uh (laughs) uh, but uh put your phone in another room in your house and put the alarm on you'll get up you'll get up at 5 a.m if you need to Mm -hmm. because you got to get up and you got to get your phone drive by the coffee machine Um, but when you need to rest absolutely rest like it's so and i do it all the time like some weekend like this weekend uh i didn't work very much i went to the beach uh hung out like my family um hung out my you know mother-in-law my brother-in-law um met up with um you know my niece uh we all you know, just hang out at my house. Um, that stuff's important. Like I like invest in those relationships too, if you can, um, you know, maybe if like you need some downtown, call a friend, just fucking call a friend. I saw a tweet that was like adult friendship is, Hey, let's meet up until, and then you just keep saying that until you die. Um, so like reach out to people that you care about and just say, Hey, what's up, man. Like, I had a wonderful call with um my prior COO um, Zach Cusmano, um recently, and we were laughing for like two hours. I just called him out of nowhere. I just said like, "Hey, what's going on, man?" And I found out he bought um you know a, uh, a condo and he's renting it out, and life's great. And um you know, we caught up, and it was just like. And, and it, and I hadn't done that in a while. And I'm like, damn, I need to do that more. With some of my buddies. Um, so I recommend that as well as like, like, you know, step outside of work and look at the people that are, you know, win or fail, they'll be there for you. Um, because if you fail and all your friends are business people, you know, they, they, you know, they love you when you're doing good, but you know, some of them might, you know, all right, this, this guy failed, blah, blah. But your best friends are going to be like, we don't care we never even cared anyways, like, (laughs) like, like we did, but like, cool, (laughs) you know, so invest invest in those relationships and don't let them, um, don't let them, you know, it's just like anything in life, like you need to nurture it. And this applies for like your relationship with your girlfriend, your wife, your children, like you need to constantly invest in those relationships. And that's way more important than work, in my opinion.
0: I'll let that sink in. And maybe in a possible part two. Ever. call your
1: call your mom after this podcast all
0: right all right i, I mean it's quite late where she is but because it, it's, it's 9 p.m here in london my last question is uh because we have about four minutes left what's um what's a question andrew gazdeki that you'd like to be asked where you have a strong answer but you've never been asked if there is such a thing
1: Um, we have like a really strong opinion an answer maybe you have an answer
0: and you said consciously or unconsciously i wish somebody would ask me this because i could i could deliver a super strong answer here if it happens uh, if not
1: oh because i, I go on. i'm trying to think uh i don't know i would say just like i think you know the, I think, I think I guess, you know, it, the, what's, what's the number one hurdle for entrepreneurs? I'd say it's excuses and fear of failure. Um, but the fear of regret is so much fucking heavier than the fear of failure. So you just, if you have a startup idea, you got to go out. You just got to. Like, I, maybe I'm wired a different way where, you know, some people might say I have family responsibilities. Well, I don't have all these skill sets. I'm just like, excuse, 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 excuse like I like my mind just doesn't compute like I I live by a saying of every problem has a solution Mm -hmm. and if like your first response is like oh I got this well it's just like okay man well that's your thing um so I'd say that uh or um just enjoy you know what's the number of factors like revenue like unicorn like raise a bunch of money it's having fun like when you have a, a team that is like a line and like you're having fun together um you know win or fail like the memories that you're going to create together like you'll remember forever um and that that's kind of where i'm at right now is i try to have as much fun again my main role as ceo of Microsoft is to make sure my team is having a ton of fun and have everything they need to succeed that's it
0: well, that's a strong way to finish. So Nike was right with their slogan after all, based on what you were saying in in your I, first point.
1: I'm 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 gonna reach out to Phil Knight and say we need changes to just execute,
0: just just make a collab with Micro Acquire, Limited collab dropping on uh, Nike it, sneakers. It, it, it,
1: it, just just do it. Just execute.
0: There we go, Andrew Gadecki, ladies and gentlemen. How 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 can people keep in touch with you? What what's your number one place?
1: Uh, just dial 911 and they'll like direct you straight to me. No, just kidding. Uh, follow me on Twitter, go to microquare.com, uh, sign up. If you're interested in, uh, buying or selling, uh, a startup, um, again, for founders, it's entirely free. We have a lot of interesting updates coming up. So stay tuned for that. Um, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. I say stuff all the time. You might like it. You might not. If you don't like it, let me know.
0: Huh, cool. I'll stop the recording in a second. Andrew, thanks so much for this lovely hour and a half. I loved everything you shared. And uh, see you next time then.
1: Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on.